Hi everyone, Gareth here. Just to let you know that if you'd like to support the production of the Music Room podcast, you can. Just head to musicroompodcast.uk slash support or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the Music Room. This time in the music room. There's a teacher there called Keith Matthews who conducted the orchestra who went on to teach me A-level music at Sixth Form College and he was brilliant. He was just a force of nature and one of those teachers you hope you'll get, you know? Looking back, he knew so much. He was so clever and full of knowledge and yet he just sort of let you do your thing and didn't sort of try and confine you. Hello and welcome to The Music Room, the show where we hear personal stories of inspiration from professional composers, songwriters and musicians. I've chatted with a whole variety of brilliant, brilliant people since I started this in 2022. So do go and dip into previous episodes. They're free to listen to. and I'm sure the items and advice left by guests in The Music Room will be of use to you somehow. You can find everything via musicroom.community. Type that in your browser. A massive thank you to my guests, by the way. I say this a lot, but I really mean it. I'm full of gratitude for your time, your stories and your experience. And I know our dear listeners, the Music Room community, are too. So, to this episode's guest, Nick Foster is a multiple BAFTA winning composer of music for television, film and games. And I had the pleasure of chatting with him about his recent work, like the movie musical Greatest Days, based on the music of Take That, as well as hearing about how it all started for him. Did you know he used to be a producer? No, me neither. That's coming up, but first, music stories. In the first of a series of blog posts leading up to the Global Creator Summit on the 20th of September, Ivers Academy board member and music room guest Kevin Sargent shares his thoughts on the importance of human creativity in a world where AI-generated music is becoming more common and questions about the use of AI are increasing in importance. You can see the article by going to iversacademy.com slash news. Next, I asked the Music Room community group on Facebook, how do you celebrate hitting a new personal or professional milestone? Tricky one this, isn't it? David, with me, it really is about the journey rather than the destination, even though I work fast to finish projects. Fair enough. Helen, I'm still celebrating. One of those people. <laughs> Good stuff. Don't go changing, Helen. Uh, Marco, despite being Italian, I just do that moderately. Ah, how would an Italian celebrate hitting a new personal or professional milestone, I wonder? Uh, Peter, dinner with the family. How lovely. Yes, it's important to uh, mark those milestones, isn't it? Rod, by carrying on and trying to be better next time. Yeah, that's not really celebrating, is it, Rod? So celebrating a milestone by starting another one. Interesting. Okay, uh, Ruben says, getting to erase things off my enormous work-in-progress whiteboard is immensely satisfying. Isn't it just? Uh, also works for spreadsheets. Thank you, everybody, in the Music Room Facebook community. Nick Foster is a multi-BAFTA-winning composer of music for television, film and games based at Air Studios in London. Recent work includes In My Skin, which won Best Drama at both the BAFTAs and the RTS Awards 2022, All or Nothing, Arsenal for Amazon Prime, 
and Koki Giedroyk's movie musical based on the songs of Take That, Greatest Days. He's also known for his work on the Darren Brown specials for Netflix and Channel 4, and ITV's long-running animated series Thunderbirds Are Go, on which Nick collaborated with brother Ben Foster, and for which they were BAFTA, MAS and BAA nominated. I could go on for a really long time to list what Nick's achieved, but I'll leave some for him to explain. If you're ready then, here we go. Nick Foster, composer, Hello. welcome to the music room. Thank you, Gareth. Hello. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. It's a very nice room. Oh, well, thank you very much. Very pleasant. Very yeah. Relaxing. Yeah. Uh, you know, all are welcome. And um, how are you today? Let's start with that. Today, I'm good. Today, I it's 12.14 and I've done some writing and it feels like it's been productive. So that's ah, good. It's been excellent. a good day. Is that so writing far. for something or is that writing yes. just for the sake of it? It's, to be honest, it's always writing for something. I, I, I should be doing it just for the sake of it, but but there's always something to write for, which is great. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm in the middle of, um, well, I'm doing a show with my friend Ollie Julian for Apple called Horse Face. I don't think it'll be called that in the end, but it's about uh, it's about Dick Turpin. It's great. So, oh, wow. A bit of that. And, is that um, drama? It's, uh, it's a dramatic comedy. It's really funny. Oh. It's really funny. So we're doing that, and um, and I've also got this uh, um, documentary, which is very, very different, but it's period as well. It's about Shakespeare. So mm. I actually, was just doing a little bit of that. Wow, that, what a, that's yeah. a couple of figures from history, isn't it? I mean, Dick yes, it's not it's the other the other things about a, about a stalker that I'm doing. So and that's that's <laughs> There's been a lot of lot of period stuff lately. I don't know, I don't know why. There's been a fair amount of it. Lots yeah. of sort of grimy olden days scenes and sort of um peasants in rags and sort of are you going like method on the music or are you taking the peaky blinders approach and um well of course people won't be able to see but i am dressed entirely in rags uh you are today. yes yeah, yeah yeah and so yes i think i am triangular pretty, hat uh, pretty method and the triangular hat i think a nice <laughs> touch yeah Nice one. So in your intro there, I've described your TV work, but you've also worked on movies, the most recent of which is obviously the Take That musical Greatest Days. Yes. How, how did that come about? And what was it like to take on someone else's music? It was brilliant, that one. It was great. Uh, <laughs> it um, did look fun. I'd worked because I was a record producer originally, um, and I produced stuff for Gary back in the day. Which was, but that was just a lovely coincidence. And I think he was enthused when he saw it was, you know, I was involved. But actually it came through Ollie Julian, who I collaborated with on it. He'd worked with the director, Koki Giedroyd, before on her her previous film. And so then the idea came up from him at us three as a team. And it was because it was sort of felt like it was in both our wheelhouses, I think, with my pop background. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but it was brilliant. It was, it was a lovely thing to do, and, and um, I'm proud of it. It's funny how these things happen, isn't it? You're saying through Ollie, and just because of something else, and you know, mm. stars are it's, there's a lot of stars aligning, isn't there, in the industry? Yeah, that felt like one of them, to be honest, because of that those sort of specifics. You know, it felt kind of perfect. But then again, that was you know, I think we had, we did a sort of I guess it was a pitch. We did pray. We did a version of Prey in a in twenty twenty, and it wow. took because of because of COVID, it was it was on, and then it was off for six months, and it was off for a year, and then it got remounted, and it was you know, um, so that was a long gestation period, and it took quite a while to do because we had 
16 songs, I think, something like that. And it was new versions of all the songs and they were quite different. We did a sort of Busby Barkley version of Shine and we did a, you know, very stripped back version of um, Millie Love Songs and Back for Good. And we did sort of a huge dance number on Prey. And so they, they were all very, very different, I think, but hopefully but hopefully recognisably the same songs. I think they, <laughs> yeah. were. they were. Yeah. Oh, I look yeah. forward to seeing that. And uh, I saw on your uh, your Instagram on the premiere, you had your whole team around you for that. That's a really lovely yeah. thing to see, to celebrate that, together. That was lovely. Yeah, because there was there were a lot of us in, involved in that. And we had um, um, Ethan, Jeffrey, Ben Burrows, and we had... Um, Sam Thompson and my brother Ben Foster orchestrating. We had C. Crookshank was um was was mixing it and 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 all over all over the recording, which is fantastic. And um and there's more people that I probably haven't mentioned. But it was it <laughs> well, was a fairly it was a team out of crowd because it's big crowd. yeah, it was a big crowd. And Jan Jenner was there, Jenna Fenceman, my agent, who's ace. So it was it was nice to be able to do that. You don't get a premiere, really, do you? I don't I've never been to a I've never done something with a Leicester Square premiere before. That was kind oh, of fun. You, you've that made was, it, Nick. You, you're there. That, was, that, that felt like I'd made it. Yeah. You're yeah. living the life now. Let, let me, <laughs> Remember us little people. Sure. I'll do my best. What's <laughs> your name? Sorry. <laughs> Who are you? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, you've worked on TV, film, gaming scores. I mean, I'll mm. put your IMDb link in the show notes. Is it something that you haven't done that you feel like you need to or have a burning desire to or are you happy and trigger alert here if your you know your music superpowers were taken away tomorrow <laughs> well, you'd be satisfied you've done everything you've always ever wanted to do I, I, now i'm just starting and i feel like i'm just starting i've been doing it for ages but i've because i've sort of gone through different things like i did made pop records then i did mm. adverts then i did entertainment shows and then i did you know so i've done different things and now it's it's it feels like I'm still, yeah, I've got a long way to go. But I think that's okay. I think that's healthy. I'm sure, I'm sure, I don't know if John Williams feels like he's done it all. I hope he does because he, sh- he deserves <laughs> he it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. there's got to be a I, point, isn't there? And it's got to be in some, your 90s. Yeah. <laughs> you think, yeah. If it's right. not in your 90s, then when? <laughs> but I think I think most people who are, who are doing stuff still have this weird dance of insecurity and it mm. hopefully spurs you on and doesn't make you feel terrible i think it's good to be hmm. you know to, to be hungry and to be enthused if you're not that's that, it yeah it's the hunger point, isn't it you know? to be excited yeah. by things uh, yeah. yeah absolutely there's, there's lots to be done and there's lots around i've been doing more um drama and documentaries in the last sort of three years i'd say something like that and that's been a real it's been brilliant it's it feels like it's a it's been a turn and, you, oh, a and turn. it feels like starts a turn. You know, it feels like it's just slightly starting again because I'm mean, not doing yeah entertainment things I was doing before. I don't do commercials anymore. So it's just sort of it feels like a good uh, turn, and it feels like you need to sort of freshen up and learn new stuff, and that's really great. Yeah. Actually. So documentaries and dramas, you think that there's a lot there to dig down. There's a lot there, and comedy too. It's scripted, scripted or storytelling stuff, and yeah, I mean, docs are. Docs feel really exciting in that way at the moment. Seems to be a lot of stuff being made. That's yeah. It's funny. I don't, I shouldn't sound surprised as if it were not the equal of drama, but I think in terms of narrative docs, it, it really feels like a really feels like a golden time. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. So 
Are we ready to go back in time? Yes, please. Let's find out how it all began for Nick. Quite a long way. <laughs> Lovely. So, here we are. Taking this round. <laughs> back in time. How did it all start for you, Nick? What were your first memories of music to start with? My first memories of music would be, <clears throat> I, grew, I grew up in a, in a house. My mum's a music teacher. My dad was passionate about music and loved it and played it very loudly from records. What kind um, of styles was he into? Classical music for dad. He loved, he loved Haydn and he loved oh. Wagner and he loved um, Forjak and things like that. So there's a lot of that around. Mum was more, is more eclectic, I suspect. She was, she'd been a singer. She's a music teacher um, and then a vicar. But at the time, she was a music teacher. And so we had a piano. And so we, so we learned. So we sort of were bashing on the piano young. And, and we had piano lessons young. Um, this is, I'm talking we, because me and my brother Ben, who's yeah. quite close in age. So we, you know, and still a great things. partnership. And still a great partnership. That's yeah. nice of you to say. Thank you. <laughs> and um, so we were always making up tunes, I think, as kids. And then it, it was a bit formalized quite young because I remember mum encouraging us to write things like write songs and carols and stuff. So it was slightly formalized, but we still did make up things. And then we used to make, do put on plays and write the music, write the tunes for the plays. And I remember, weirdly, I remember also having instrumentals, like there was the B-side to the Doctor Who theme by Peter Howell, was, was a thing called The Astronauts, which is a brilliant <laughs> bit of instrumental electronica it's amazing and i remember making up lyrics to that and ben and i sang a sort of pop song on the back of it because you couldn't do that at the time when i was whatever i was at that age pretty young seven or six or something like no maybe seven and you couldn't do something that sounded like peter howell in the bbc radio funny workshop you couldn't so wasn't it great to to add something to that and to sort of write on top of that and it's funny, I was only thinking about this this morning. That's as distinct from writing stuff on the piano, which I did. But it, maybe that was a sort of hint at what I was going to be doing 10 years later, making records, because it was the fascination of doing something that wasn't just producible on a piano or on a one instrument. It was what you could do in these magic places, <laughs> studios, which I didn't really know about then, but I probably was starting to sort of think about I was fascinated yeah. by radio stations when I was a kid as well. And that was sort of, well, again, not... again, studios, yeah. it's, it's a thing. So aside from that, were you being in, introduced to instruments? Were you having lessons, um, anything like that? Yeah, I started piano lessons very young, like some kids do. And I was about, I was probably four, might have been. Yeah, I think I was four. I, I was four because I did my grade one when I was five. It's funny looking back under my, I've got nephews who are, who are turning out to be brilliant musicians and, and I love the way they're being, they're, they seem to be coming to it naturally. But, but, mm. but at the same time, I look back and think, well, I mean, look what I got from doing my grades and doing scales and doing all that. It wasn't the, it wasn't the most fun bit of my interaction with music, but it, it was pretty helpful. Yeah. It yeah. Was, so it so that was, I guess, your parents recognising something in you and going, yeah, we think I you think so. This. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's just what we did. And as I say, my brother and I both did it because it's just what we did. I don't, we didn't know any better. Yeah. We just yeah. thought that's what you did. And so it was piano. And then I, I actually asked to play the cello because I was precocious. I was. I, 
I saw, I saw my dad used to tell me I saw Jacqueline Dupre on the telly. I don't know if that's true. But anyway, I was playing the cello when I was about seven, making a terrible racket, which never got that much better. Um, Ditto, actually. Like, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But mine was to get out of geography lessons. Um, well, mine got me out of games, so, you know. There we it go. Works. It works, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and I only did it really because my brother was learning the cello. Um, really? But my, my first passion was a piano you know but yeah, I didn't I didn't learn it until I think I didn't have lessons until I was 10 so it was kind of That's the other way around a, a, yeah because um, I always think the piano is, is a great starter it's a great grounding it's a great understanding because yeah. it's like you, an orchestra on a keyboard yeah because you've got your left hand and you know it's, it's fantastic you can you've got everything there you know the only other one I guess being the guitar which I don't really play and I wish I did because I think it gives you another another uh, language slightly when you're yeah. writing. But then, as a cellist, it's not too far away from. Yeah, but you're not gonna you're not gonna strum on the cello. You're not gonna sort of. <laughs> it's slightly different. I love the cello. Yeah. It's a yeah, yeah. beautiful instrument, but it feels I don't know slightly different. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very lyrical. Mm, uh, lyrical exactly. instrument. It's, yeah, it's I, I think I was talking about this with someone else actually, and the the register of the cello is I think is one of the closest things to the human voice almost mm. so lovely point yeah yeah so it, it does feel very like someone singing <laughs> yeah way. and when you think of some of the greatest things written for cello they're huge tunes they're huge yeah. soaring melodies and that's that's a lovely notion. bangers yeah. <laughs> bangers <laughs> for cello bangers for cello yeah at the new manuscript book i think it's a hit in the making <laughs> yeah. compilation in the making Nice one. So you're, you're learning the piano, you're learning the cello. A lot of my guests seem to hit high school or secondary school and things slightly change. They join orchestras and they, they're involved in more organised groups and veer off their way to the more poppy side of things. How did mm. it go for you a bit later on? Well, it kind of went both ways, actually, because I, I, was, I went to a school called Formby High School, which is in Formby, which is in the northwest of England near Liverpool. And um, and we had free orchestras. You could go and join an orchestra for free, and it was fantastic. And we had a really good, what do you call it, a local LEA music department. It was yeah. really strong, fantastic people there. We had, there was a, an orchestra, there was a wind band, and there was a jazz orchestra. Yeah, it was just, it was fantastic. So I joined the orchestra. It was not what I wanted to do for a a profession but it was and I wasn't good enough as a cellist that's for, that's for sure but it was lovely it was brilliant it gave you that understanding of, of playing in an orchestra you know which is so valuable and I, and I well it's an introduction to orchestration as, for a start yeah, isn't it and and how it all works and how it fits together and also the the people in you know the human aspects of it people together making a noise together is just wonderful I was so lucky and I don't know where that stands these days I, I don't know whether there's an orchestra that kids informed we can play in now i'm not sure but i'm very grateful for that and there was yeah. a teacher there who inspired me which maybe we'll talk about that later but um no, it, no. It, it, well there's a teacher there's a teacher there called keith matthews who is a who conducted the orchestra who went on to be my to teach me a-level music at sixth form college and he was brilliant he was just a force of nature and one of those teachers you hope you'll get you know looking back he knew so much he was so clever and full of knowledge and yet he just sort of let you do your thing and and didn't sort of try and confine you 
because yeah. the other thing that happened when I was a teenager was I got into writing pop songs um, and I had a pop group <laughs> with my brother and I wrote an album's worth of stuff and I got found my way to a recording studio in Liverpool and I recorded it there. Wow. Uh, with a guy I went on to form a production partnership with. For, for Wowee. So that was the way in and I was encouraged in all that, you know. And my parents too, in fact, who weren't, didn't know one end of the Beatles album from another, were, were really encouraging and, you know, helped me do that. I think the most inspiring people are enablers, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they... And it takes a lot to enable when you don't understand something, don't you think? Absolutely. If it's not you, if it's not your thing, but you see that it's it means something to somebody else, that's that's you know, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, it's a rule for life, isn't it? Absolutely, it's a rule for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's fantastic. How, so, how old were you when you sought out this studio to make this album? Thirteen or fourteen. Wow, yeah. that's really young. I know, and to the credit of the people there, Mike Rose, who I ended up working with, he was um, he was. Canny enough to see that perhaps I had something good going on. I wasn't just a silly kid coming in and going, oh, I don't want to be a pop star. Uh, I wanted to write songs and be in studios. And that was my intro to it. And it was, it was, you know, it was fantastic. And it still managed to run in parallel with loving playing the piano and being in orchestras and things like that. But but it became the it became the dominant bit for a while, for about 15 years, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It lit your fire. It lit the fire, like, definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you've made an album by 14. Yep. Yeah, no, no. I mean, <laughs> the, let's, let's be clear. And then, no, in the, um, the album was probably when I was 15, 16. Oh, okay. It was the, it was the intro. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. let's not, let's call it, a, <laughs> let's call it a cassette with 10 songs on it, shall we? Okay. Okay. Well, nice, that. yeah, we've all done it. We've all done yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But um, so what happens then? Uh, you mentioned A-level music? Yes. Sixth form college? Six on college. I did all my A levels. I was I was just I was quite academic as a kid, and I was off to read, off to read music, and managed to defer my place for a couple of years because I got a job with Pete Waterman, who was a. Hang on. So defer your place at sixth form college? Or... No, no, a uni. A oh, uni. I was going to say, wow. Okay, yeah. but still, still pretty young to be getting a placement with the likes of Pete Waterman. Well, yeah, again, we say a placement. You've got good good words for all these things. Thank I made tea <laughs> and I occasionally got to play keyboards, but I made tea and I got people at dinner and things. Yeah. But it was it was it was my route into the business, you know. I did it for I did it for six months. And then I signed on and I sat in my bedroom writing songs for two years. Wow. Um and at the end of it, the two of us got a publishing deal. And that was then it was we were off. So do and you it, feel like that time, that six months, you're you're absorbing how to write a song as well as making tea for everybody? More um more the reality of it, you know? Yeah. More the what what it's like. It was thrilling being in a recording studio. It was really exciting. That was really enough to start with, you yeah. know? Yeah. But um it also gave me the hunger to do it myself, you know, because you slightly saw that it, the, 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 it was I was obsessed with Stock Aiken Orson when I was a kid. I thought they were fantastic. And I still do. Some may disagree, but I'm correct. You can't argue. You're correct. <laughs> you will fight I, anyone. Fight <laughs> anyone who takes me on on that. So I, I was keen to do that, but they were sort of past their prime by then, and it was it was interesting to see how these things fall apart. Really, I guess. Oh wow, okay. a little bit. And um, so then I uh, 
wanted to do it for myself. And I said I had a production partner. And it seemed to take an age between moving to London and getting a publishing deal and starting having, you know, records out. It wasn't. It was about two and a half years, three, three years, three years. It seemed like forever at the time. I don't know. I was really lucky looking back. You deferred university. Did you actually go in the end? No. No? <laughs> Just you decided that's what you wanted to do? Well, I got my publishing deal yeah. at the end before, you know, yeah. and, and it was, yeah. Well, you know, you go to uni to increase your chances of getting work. Yeah, I, you, so. I wouldn't I wouldn't be anti-further education in the slightest, and mm. I would have enjoyed it, I know. But it was, it was what I did, and I, I like that I, looking back, I'm glad I was able to stand up and say, this is what I want to do, and I was lucky to be able to do that. I had supportive yeah. parents. I had yeah had people around me and it was okay and 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 also i was able to sign on for a year and a half you can't do that now it, mm. it was you know i was writing pop songs every day which some might say was a bit of a it's not productive work but it but it led to it led to the next 20 you know the next, the next you years. were honing your craft you were yeah. creating your products you know yeah same as anyone else um yeah and I think, like you, I, you know, I don't want to besmirch higher education in the slightest. No, I went to not university at all. And, and did a degree, but I think maybe in hindsight, me looking back now, if I knew what where I would end up, I probably would have done exactly the same thing. If I had an opportunity to go and make coffee for people in a studio, mm. I think the amount that you can pick up there is um, is quite significant, and it's, the net the networking aspect, you, you just yeah. Can't. The, the, the setup is different now, and you didn't have the music courses that now exist. There are some really, really good music courses now. Yeah. There weren't so many when I was at that age. But um, I think everyone has a different route, don't they? You know, and Absolutely. everyone has a different odd set of circumstances that somehow move you through this business. It's odd. Yeah. So you've got a publishing deal. At what point do you go, right, I'm a songwriter. Oh, hang on, I'm a composer. Well, how does that kind of switch over? It was, I did, I wrote pop songs or co-wrote pop songs and produced them for 10 years and it was great and we did some really good things and then it sort of felt like it was, the partnership reached its, its natural conclusion and I thought there's got to be other things I want to do than this. There was sort of, I love pop music still, but I felt like I'd done what I was going to do in pop music and it wasn't going to get more interesting or better or yeah. yeah, it felt like I wanted to do something else. And as a as a kid, there was something about you know writing music for plays, and that we used to make videos and that sort of thing. And it, it was like, well, that, that's that's good. That could be fun. Also, my brother was was by now getting himself established as a composer, so I had a sort of proof that it could be done. Yeah, perhaps um, he was starting out, but he was he was doing great things, and perhaps saw a window into that world that you really liked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that would have been after, you know, 10, 11 years doing, being a producer. Yeah. That it sort of started to flip. And then I went into commercials, and that was what I did for the next chunk of time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There's no easy route, kids. <laughs> it's just gotta, you've just got to get in there yeah. and get, get on with it. Yeah. 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 Nice one. Well, Nick, I ask all of my guests to leave an item and a piece of advice in the music room for others to find. What okay. I, I don't know what you've chosen as an item or a piece of advice, but you said it was somewhere in that room. Yeah, it's over here. Item. I want to show okay. you, Gareth. It's the MC... It's the, I'll do it properly. It's the Roland MC500 Mark II Micro Composer. 
It's, okay. it's the best. It's a sequencer. And as a kid, it was all I wanted. And eBay, big praise. You can now get them. That was my brother's, actually. But So he might not know it's here. He will now. <laughs> it spent all morning going, <laughs> where's that Roland gone? <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing thing. It's you you program drums in step time and you and you record with MIDI. And really, it's not that that I want to leave in the music room. It's something to something to enable people to make music. That's the thing. So probably these days, what would it be? Be logic, probably. Yeah. Or, no, I like I like your you know, physical it's, item. It's, but it's, it's whatever. It, it's something to make you able to make music and write music and. Preserve yeah. it. It might be a, a pencil for somebody else, but I'm sticking with the MC. It, it was a pencil too. for someone else, actually. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. Daisy Shoot. Um, but I like that it's something that inspired you. So yeah. we shall, you know, that's proof that it works. So we'll put that in the music room for you. Love it. Okay, great. Um, what advice would you like to leave for others to find? Best advice I ever got was write something. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's good. <laughs> yeah. It matters in the long run, but you know that moment where you've got to write and you, you just have to just do it and, and not get stuck. Yeah. Just keep going. Just just write something. Let something come out. Yeah, it's the biggest fear, isn't it? You know, I've got all this music in my head, but I know it might sound a bit different when it comes out. And then mm. you've got to play it to people. I mean, that's just yeah. terrifying, isn't it, really? But it can really block, it can really stop you, can't it? All these things. Yeah. There were so many things mitigating against doing what we do is it's kind of it's amazing and i'm so lucky to be able to sit and do this but it's it's also a bit weird and magical and <laughs> quite makes sense does it yeah so the dark arts yeah so just don't <laughs> think about it too much yeah just yeah. just get something out yes and, and once you've got something out maybe something else will come out maybe the thing will be brilliant you've got a you pointer and a marker got a bit of context then haven't you yeah, you've started. There's something to talk about. Is that if, if there's something there, there's a conversation to be had. Yeah, and the conversation yeah. might be that's not right, but that's fine because then you've there's something else yeah. that will come from it. I was going to say that right. it, it'll give you something to work on as well because you might realise, yeah. oh, actually, that doesn't make any sense. So I need to figure out, you know, mm. my string arrangements or you know whatever it is. Yeah. Um, or even like bars nine to twelve are quite good. The rest of it's rubbish, but that bit's good. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was like writing on the piano, by which I mean the piano connected to the computer, just really, really wildly, and it'll be a mess, and it'll be horrible, and it'll sound like somebody bashing away because it's it's like you then can excavate stuff from it. Ah, you can nice. you can get ideas from it. There are bits and bobs in there. You'll have hit. There'll be something in there. Well, funnily enough, with my last guest, Sherry Chung. Uh, we mm. were talking about capture record and just the ability oh, to, God. to noodle about and uh, and then suddenly go, oh, well, that's good. And then mm. you can just capture record and it's there. <laughs> You've got that's it. one of the greatest inventions. Oh, that was a wonderful little bit. I'm sure I remember when that came in. Yeah. When it, when it appeared on Logic. Because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? You're right. Yeah. You're right. Because then it's there. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Nick Foster, thank you so much. Uh, for joining me today in the music. Well, that room. was quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could go on, couldn't we? <laughs> but yeah, thank you for joining me in the music room. It's been an absolute joy. Thanks, Gareth. Thanks for listening to the Music Room podcast today. If you'd like to know more about the show or the community that surrounds it, head to musicroom.community. The link is in the show notes. Thank you.